0: My guest today is the founder and CEO of Spartan Race. Joe DeSana has been an entrepreneur since his pre-teens. From selling fireworks at the age of eight, to starting a t-shirt business in high school, to building a multi-million dollar garden and pool business in college, to creating a Wall Street trading firm, Joe truly is a living definition of the absolute entrepreneur. He is also a New York Times bestselling author of Spartan Race, A Take No Prisoner's Guide to Overcoming Obstacles and Achieving Peak Performance in Life, and Spartan Fit 30 Days, Transform Your Mind, Transform Your Body, Commit to Grit. He's also the host of the Spartan Up podcast, which I'm honored to be a guest on as well. So go listen to our conversation there too. I'll tell you very openly, I'm nowhere near as fit as Joe will expect me to be today. So I'm guessing he's probably going to corner me somewhere to try and embarrass me in front of all of you and commit me to one of those crazy Spartan races. If he does, I count on you to help me out, start a petition or something, but make sure that I don't go as far as to run that far. So, Joe, we don't really know each other. This is the first time we met. I'm actually, I dream of being on one of your races, but I don't think I can be. I'm sure you're going to say that I'm wrong in assuming that. But it's really interesting that we start this conversation because I feel we're very, very similar because I do 14 hours days. You know, you seem to be like constantly on, but I'm like the guy that talks about happiness and stillness and slow down and, you know, try to reduce the number of challenges in your life. Why is it good to have a challenge in one's life? I mean, isn't life challenging enough? Do I really need to get myself into a Spartan race as well? First of all,
1: where's your family from? My family is from Egypt. Egypt, sorry, okay. Yeah. I asked because my mom, in the 1970s, she studied under an Indian guru, and you sound very much like my mom, like, slow down.
0: (laughs) Yes, I know. I was going to ask you about that. You called yourself a little bit of a tough guy and a little bit of a yogi. Remember that? (laughs)
1: My mom was preaching exactly like you just preached. And I think slowing down has a time and place. I would argue in the developed world, first of all, let's go back. Spartan is more than a race. It's a mindset. It's existed for 2,500 plus years. The same way you think of Google to do a search, I think of Spartan to like toughen up. And toughening up might be sitting still. In my mother's case, she meditated for 30 days straight while fasting, right? So like there you, go. you could Spartan up slowing down, but it's to do something hard for a purpose and we can get into that. And so um, I think slowing down has its time and place in the developed world, in my opinion, we could squeeze so much more out of our lives. We're too soft. So, so when you talk about slowing down, and you talk about like recovery. My answer is, like, hey guys, hey girls, we're not exactly on the Lewis and Clark expedition. You know, we're not dealing with the Spanish flu. We're not in the Great Depression. It's not World War II storming Normandy Beach. So, like, like I get it. We all have challenges in our life, but like, it's not that bad. We have it pretty good.
0: I love that. Actually, as a matter of fact, I agree with you 100%. We are in a place of our life where what we're complaining about is nothing more than, in reality, just luxury, really. I mean, people tend to forget the truth about the reality of our life, that we're not really going through the toughest time humanity has ever seen. Humanity has seen much worse. I mean, sometimes I say jokingly that the the extent of the pandemic is they're asking us to sit at home and just binge watch Netflix when you really think about it. And that's not that hard when you think about it. But the question I actually wanted to ask you was, why do we want to add hardship to our life at all? Why do we want to make things hard? There is a school of thought that says exercise twice a week, do an hour a day, push yourself a little bit to fatigue, and that's good enough to keep you fit. There is a a school of thought that says, push yourself a little bit beyond your boundaries. You're not saying that. You're saying, push yourself to what is almost humanly impossible. Because when you get there, you're going to be better than the human you started with.
1: Yeah, well, as you could imagine, while you were just asking the question and continuing to talk, I wanted to jump out of my skin.
0: I know, I know,
1: I know. (laughs) I want people to reach their peak potential and that requires doing hard things one of my best friends is indian and he subscribes very much to like what you just described this idea of no pain no pain as opposed to no pain no gain right and so for everybody listening out there or watching and saying yeah but you know slow-mo sounds right Fast Joe, like, you're wrong. Why would you want pain? Why would you want suffering? Why would you want hardship? First, relative to all the years we've had on this planet, even a hard peloton class or running in the rain is not that hard. It's a joke relative to the million years we've been on the planet, okay? It's a joke. I'm talking about manufacturing a little smidgen of diversity in your life. Now, what's the science, why should we do this? All right, let me put it to you like this: the human body is just like a swimming pool. The human body is, you know, nine to twelve gallons of water. Typical swimming pool is about twenty thousand gallons of water. Swimming pool has a pump and a filter. Human body has pump and filter. The heart is the pump. We've got multiple filters. The lungs, the liver, etc. If I shut the pump off and I run the pump twice a week, as you suggest, the pool turns green. If I don't clean the filters in the pool the pool turns green. That's 20,000 gallons of water. We are throwing french fries and coffee and soda and all the toxins from the air into a tiny little swimming pool, nine to 12 gallons of water, and we're not running the pumps and we're not cleaning the filters, and we are expecting this tiny little swimming pool to clean all that stuff out and run optimally. Can't happen. This doesn't work. Totally agree, absolutely. So, well, Joe, can't we make it easier on ourselves? Well, I'm sorry, but to get the pump working and to get the filters cleaned, it requires more water, more of a plant based diet, more of a healthy diet. It requires more exercise. The largest organ in the body, the skin, needs to sweat. It's got to remove toxins. That's just the machine we've been given to be on this planet. So, guys, I wish I could tell you there was a way to biohack out of it and you could just sit there and read and act like an academic all day, and not do the hard work, but doesn't work. So that's the physiological side. Now, let's talk about the brain. The brain actually shows tracks. When you take on hard things, hard things might be trying to learn a new language, starting a new business, running 100 miles, 25 miles, whatever it is, having a child. When you take on hard things, it leaves tracks in the brain, and if you don't finish those hard things, it leaves gaps. The neuroscientists can see it. The more tracks you lay in the brain, the more pathways you have to future successes, the easier it is to complete other hard things. Now, I don't know about the audience, but I know you and I have had some obstacles in our lives, and I want to be prepared for those obstacles. I want to train for those obstacles. You know death is coming to all of us. Nobody gets out alive, and that's going to be a pretty tough obstacle, (laughs) right? So I want to be prepared. I want to lay as many tracks in my head as I can. Now let's use an analogy. If we had the choice of growing up inside of a perfectly climate controlled greenhouse or the option to grow up on the side of a mountain in rainstorms and and build a root system around the rocks and try to grow with sunlight or no sunlight versus that greenhouse, you might say, gee, the greenhouse sounds like a much better existence. And sure it is, but it doesn't prepare you for reality. Reality is on the side of the mountain. There's rainstorms, there's tough times, there's death, there's sh that happens. And so I want to grow up and be prepared for the stuff that happens. So that's why, slow-mo, that's why you do hard shit.
0: <laughs> yes, that's why, slow-mo, you should speed up a little bit. Actually, one thing I wanted to take a bit of your time on, because it seems that this is a theme of your life, right? So people who know you now know Joe, the successful businessman that has really achieved so much. But the way you tell your story growing up from your parents' separation, being in Queen, working for a mob boss, you know, going through uh, Wall Street and all of those changes, it seems to me that you're someone that wants to be ready, that wants to put in the effort and wants to be ahead of life somehow. Is that true? Is that how you see life? That life is not going to come easy. And so accordingly, I need to do something about it.
1: Well, one. One, I believe that we're all going to face challenges, and we do. I saw my mom die at a young age. Um, My dad died a fairly young age. Uh, I saw friends go to jail for 25 years. At a clip, I saw people die. And maybe at a very young age, I just started to appreciate life. In other words, I had a perspective that said, well, no matter how tough today is, I'm not in jail. No matter how tough today is, I'm not dead. But I know that that stuff happens in the blink of an eye. I recently interviewed a guy on a podcast check this out, he did 32 years in prison, he was wrongfully accused, 32 years. So like, it happens, Yeah. right, shit happens. And I wanna be prepared for it, number one. Number two, I get a real joy out of hard work. Number one, I get all the physical and mental benefits we spoke of earlier, I sweat, I work hard, etc. And then secondly, I just feel proud of myself when I work hard, I mean, life is really short, It's a privilege to be able to work hard. I've got my fingers, my toes. I'm not in jail. Like I said, I'm not dead. Fuck it. Let's get some work done. And then number three, I get the benefit of preparing for hard things. So I don't know. Somebody's going to have a really tough time talking me out of this kind of existence. I'm
0: actually not talking you out of it at all. I'm talking my listeners into it. By pushing you a little, I'm thinking, People can see a different point of view. So let's reconcile on one thing. I believe that mind work is a very, very tough bit of work. Like you rightly said, you basically come into life, you have to compete with your body, which has to be worked out and exercised and pushed. When I say slow-mo, I'm not actually saying sit there and do nothing. I'm saying stop doing the bad shit that you're doing to your mind, right? And your mind is an interesting machine similar to the body that is similar to the swimming pool, this little thing is a maze. And that maze requires you to be in control. It requires you to go through the tough challenges. So I'm actually not pushing you back. I'm pushing us both forward in the idea of we can do better than this. Life actually requires us to step up and do better than this. The interesting side of it though is, and this is really, I'm asking you actually to maybe help me see it differently, because I see it different than you. I deal with people who are in tough situations mentally. They're sometimes unhappy. Sometimes they see the world wrongly as an unfair game or whatever that is. And I find that it's easier or maybe less challenging for them to take them step by step first before you jump all the way into the massive, massive, mega challenge. You, I heard you say a story one time where you had someone who was 600 and some pounds and just dropped to like two something, 260 pounds or something like that. And you like overnight was like, that's it, fruits and vegetables, and you're going to hike 10 miles a day. That contrast to me is quite an audacious thing to do. In your public figure, you're basically saying, look, there is no gradual messing around here you're just going to jump in the pool you're going to jump in the deep end you're going to do it all the way why would you believe that this is better than sometimes taking it step by step
1: well listen i'm sure we could find anecdotal evidence uh, cases where people are able to do the step-by-step approach nice and slow they can analyze it all hold hands with somebody that, but. The reality is most people don't ever get it done. They talk themselves out of it. They get analysis. Why
0: why do you think, Joe? Why do people give up? Why do we quit?
1: Um, They're not seeing the progress that they thought they'd get right away. But the biggest reason they quit or don't even start is because we are driven by the avoidance of discomfort. Yes, we chase sex and we chase food, right? The psychologists have told us those are really important motivators for us. But even more important than those is the avoidance of discomfort. And that saved us on the planet, so we didn't freeze to death in the tundra, we didn't fall off a cliff, we didn't get eaten by a lion. I get why we have this legacy hardware and software protecting us from uncomfortable things. However, it's gone too far. It's protecting us from ourselves. We go to work out in the morning and start this program like you just described, and instead we find ourselves looking at social media on our phone. Because subconsciously, our mind is saying, don't go in the gym, it's hard. Avoid the discomfort. Don't get in that cold shower. It's hard. Avoid. And you end up doing everything you're not supposed to do to avoid. You don't even know you're avoiding it. So I like to just rip the Band-Aid off and say, here we go. We're doing it. I call it fire-ready aim. We take the shot, then we get ready, and we aim <laughs> as opposed to sitting around on it and talking about it forever and never doing it. Now, you discuss this idea of slowing your mind down right? And getting those negative thoughts, getting out of your own head. I like to tell people, if you're in your own head, you're behind enemy lines. How do you get out of your own head? Easiest way to get out of your own head is go do something big physically. Now, big is relative. It might be a five-mile walk. It could be a half a mile swim. But it's got to be something that gets you to a place where you just want water, food, and shelter. And when you get to a place where you're that hungry and you're that tired your mind is at ease. All the junk has come out of your head and you are now 100% focused on water, food and shelter. So it's a hack, it's an easy way to slow your mind down. You know, when my mind is racing, I got a lot of shit going on, I do it. You would think I was a yogi, I am so relaxed. One more little piece, I'm sorry I'm stealing the microphone here. Not at
0: all, it's your microphone.
1: (laughs) I have a farm (laughs) in Vermont and we had animals, and I had, at one point, I had eight dogs. I know a lot of people get upset that I compare our species to dogs, but you know, if I left those dogs in the house because I was busy on the farm that day or had something to do, when I came home, they were in their own head. They were fighting with each other. They ripped apart the furniture. They were crazy. Seriously. Yeah, if I let them out, and they ran, and they got exhausted, and they did what their body was meant to do, and they cleaned out their swimming pool, they were happy as can be. Laying on their back, they were yoga dogs. So (laughs) so my point is, you've got the physical side of it has been bracketed and bucketed by people as this thing that jocks do, that athletes do. No, it's what humans do, it's what animals do. It's not acceptable for you to come home and your dog to be sitting in the living room, watching TV, smoking a cigarette, painting its nails, right, with its hair in a bun. That would not be acceptable. What would be acceptable is if you came home and the dog was running around the backyard and panting and tired and and climbing and muddy. And so we are dogs, we're animals. (laughs) I like that analogy
0: very much. As a matter of fact, hold on. Again, pushing you back to get to the bottom of it. What happens after the week of hard workout ends, you get back and your head engages again. So you have to go out and work out again. And then you go back in, and then it engages again, and you go out again.
1: You have to exercise. And during those times of doing lots of exercising, again, this is not bracketed in this idea that the only people doing it are, this is not reserved for athletes. This is for all human beings. Athletes should act a little more academic academics should act a little more like athletes the ancient greeks believed it's mind and body we have to bring both totally. together and somehow in our world in our society we've separated these things i saw it in the 70s and 80s and 90s where businessmen and businesswomen they're really successful economically and they're a disaster when it comes to their health and how could that be You get to be an Olympian if you're trying to run a business or work in an organization. you got to be going for a gold medal every day. you got to take care of yourself like an Olympian. And on the other hand, if you're an athlete and you're training every day, you should be reading and learning how to play the piano and doing all the things that somebody really intelligent would be doing too. You can't have just one or the other. So in the question you asked, your mind starts to get dark again. Go do some more burpees. Take another cold shower. In those moments where you're exercising, look, there's a great saying, there's nothing that you can't walk off. You just got to walk through. (laughs) Yes. There's nothing you can't walk off. So if you're in your own head, go for a walk. If you're still in your own head, keep walking. At some point, you'll be out of your head, I promise.
0: Mm, Don't know how to agree to that. I liked what you said in the middle because I think you rightly said it's the body and the mind, right? Right. And most of us sort of happiness gurus, I'm not a happiness guru at all, by the way, we talk about the mind and how can you manage the process of how your mind thinks about things and so on. You're saying, no, 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 get in your body. And by the way, that's a very, very spiritual concept too. But you're saying get in your body by literally pushing that machine to stop thinking about bullshit, just jump into your body and you'll be there. You'll be in the moment, right? But it's both of them. And I think the idea is, can you get into your body in a way that allows you to have enough free space so that you can actually get into your mind and not do that shit again, not go back to
1: smoking again, right? No, it's always gonna creep back in. I mean, I, I remember I'm doing this for a long time. I've had seven plus million people come out and do the program. So I've talked to a lot of people. Man. And um, it, you're always gonna have those itches to go back your old ways. It's just the way it is. And you've gotta go out and clear the clutter from your brain But there's another thing that happens that I think you'll appreciate. It's not just the physiology of doing that long walk or doing those hard things and clearing your brain. It's a psychology that occurs. And I like to call it the Spartan lifeline concept. So if you draw a horizontal line on a piece of paper, okay, you draw a horizontal line. If you're out there listening, if you're driving, don't do it because I don't want you to get an accident. But but draw a horizontal line, Mm -hmm. okay? And most of us in the developed world we're living above the line, and I want you to draw a few clouds up high above the line. There's a few clouds up there, and those are resentment clouds. And so if you're living above the line, you keep chasing stuff. That's like a comfortable area to be. You want like uh, more nice cars, more this, more that, and you're never satisfied. If you take some dips below the line, doing the long walk, taking the cold shower, going on a long run, maybe even practicing some poverty, If you take some dips below the line, and taking a dip below the line is kind of like taking a soccer ball and, and forcing it to stay underwater, and it pops back up, right? And then you pop back up to the line, you all of a sudden have a lot of gratitude for everything you had before. And by the way, check this out. The great samurai, I didn't invent this, the great samurai, every night before they went to bed, they would close their eyes, and they would dive below the line by burning all their possessions, all their relatives, everything would be gone. And when they wake up, they're back at the line. They got their possessions back, they've got their family, and they appreciate everything.
0: Oh my God, that's an amazing practice.
1: Isn't that great? But it's easy to do that when you're performing optimally by sweating and breathing heavy and taking care of this machine the way it was meant to be taken care of. So I guess my big message is you can't have one without the other. You can't just focus on the mind and not the body, and you can't just focus on the body and not the mind. And in the process of doing this, you'll gain some gratitude for where you are in life, which is right at the line, wherever your line is.
0: I love that. I think that's such an a profound way of looking at it. I really believe that we are way above the line. The little things that annoy us are not even comparable. Think about it. We're sitting here. This is not the Spanish flu. This is not World War II. Life is so easy. We're talking on Zoom and we're chatting and arguing and connecting across the world. And it's wonderful. Right. And yet we are so above the line that if you, you know, if your boyfriend says, Hey, you go like, what's wrong with life? You know, life is really annoying and it's, we're so fragile. I believe, you know, we're so spoiled
1: maybe is the right word. Yeah. And that's another reason that I'm so glad you said that about the boyfriend comment and getting upset. That's another reason why even if you're a night person, a night owl, which you shouldn't be, But even if you are, you have to exercise early in the morning. You got to go below the line. It'll set your day up for success. Hypothetically, if you did a 10-mile run in the morning and you're only a two-mile runner, but you did a 10-mile run in the morning and you took a cold shower, there is nothing that will happen to you that day that you'll say, no big deal, I'm not running. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's like everything pales in comparison. Joe, tell me. Okay, I'm 53. Reasonably fit for my age. Had that little tiny belly that I hide very well in my black T-shirts for the last seven, eight, nine years. I hate the damn thing. Unable to get rid of it. At the same time, I live a very busy life, stupidly busy. But I want to run the race. How do I start from here so that I can join your next
1: race? That's the thing. Is it's so easy, but you just have to actually do it. I can tell you how many hundred thousand conversations I've had like this. People just don't want to do the work. So if you're serious and you want to do the work, all you would have to do, first of all, I recommend highly yoga. Believe it or not. Seriously. Yes, I recommend yoga, okay? Let me tell you why. You and I will finish anything we embark on. We're both pretty driven people, okay? True, yeah. If you and I headed out on 50 mile hike, and I'm in shape and you're not in a current example, I might get tired at mile 10 and you get tired at mile five. Now at mile 10, we're both tired. You just have to get tired before me. We both push through unless we get injured. So we have to avoid injury at all costs because our mind will get us through any challenge we take on. How do we avoid injury? We got to remain flexible and mobile. How do we do that? We got to do yoga. We got to have a regular yoga practice. A lot of people don't expect me to talk about that. So figure it out. The good news is you get it online. You can figure out your five or six or 10 stretches that you do religiously every day. That's got to be your daily practice, seven days a week. There's no vacations from it. You have to maintain mobility and flexibility first and foremost. I have tons of stretches I can give you, but, you know, for your body or things that bother you, you might want to find a few. It's up to you. You guys, you can email me, spartan.com. I'm happy to give you my stretches. Okay. Secondly, if you want just a basic life program to live to 100 years old and be able to do anything, is all you got to do. So simple. I want you to run at whatever pace you can, one mile a day. Just one mile. It could be a slow jog. It could be a 15 minute mile, but faster than a walk. Okay? Because I want you bouncing because that's very good for the lymphatic system. Just one mile. I want you to do 30 burpees. You could do them one at a time. You could take five minutes. Doesn't matter. 30 burpees a day. And I want you to do 30 pull ups every day. Very hard for people to do pull ups. You could do one at a time, you could do a jump up if you have to but you're doing one mile, 30 burpees, 30 pull-ups. If you can't give me that, which you should be able to do in like 20 something minutes, if you can't give me that with some stretches, you deserve to be in your own head. I can't help you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So
0: one thing I wanted to ask you is because you walk the talk. You're not just telling things. You actually are the example of being fit and active and out there. We get so many conflicting messages. We get people saying seven days a week is not good for you. You have to rest in between them. You often talk about fruits and vegetables, right? For people who want to lose weight. But so many people will say, what about protein? And what about keto? And what about this? And what about, there are so many conflicting views. Why is it that you believe there is so much confusion around being fit?
1: Well, you and I are businessmen, first and Mm -hmm. foremost. So there's certainly a lack of knowledge, like there's a lack of knowledge everywhere. But at the end of the day, this is capitalism. Yeah. And it allows people to make money. And when it comes to health and wellness, there's not a lot of restrictions. There's not a lot of oversight, especially around supplements and so forth. And so uh, business creeps in to this space. Now, the largest, one of the largest businesses in the world, if not the largest, is the food business. I mean, just selling people food. Yeah. And so if you think about it, when you're selling food to 300 million people in the United States, if everybody was slim... You would not sell as much food as if everybody was fat. So, so the goal is to sell more food. That doesn't make the food executives bad people. They're in business and they're trying to sell stuff, and they're following the laws uh, that we put in place. and so they're selling us stuff we don't need. Once you start selling stuff, you know this we both know this from being in business now we're on the hook to meet our quarterly numbers because exactly. of investors. And so now we have to go hire some consultants that are going to help us create a better message. And that message is around protein. If everybody's talking about 15 grams of protein, well, one of the ways we're going to sell more is 30 grams of protein. Mm. And everybody's talking about 30 minute abs, and we're going to go to seven minute abs. And that's just the way our country works. And, And the shame is, it's created a bunch of confusion amongst our population. Nobody knows how to figure it out. And and I guess I would say, slow down. I would take a line for (laughs) you. Slow down, take a deep breath. It is so friggin' simple. You should lean plant-based. That means more plants are better. Get away from anything packaged if you can. Obviously if you're on the road and you got to slip in an energy bar because there's just nothing to eat in the airport, I get it, but try to pick the healthiest one you can. By the way, not eating is even better and religions figured that out a long time ago. There's lots. Seriously? Yeah, oh, much better. You want to live longer? Don't eat. But more plant-based, more sweat, more cold showers. It's so simple. It just doesn't make a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't sell that. Yeah, You can't sell that, basically, right?
1: Yeah. If I sell you more salad, I'm not making a lot of money. Right? If I sell you burpees, I'm not making a lot of money. But if I sell you a burpee contraption, that you put around your neck and on your head, and I sell you high-protein salad, I can make money.
0: Mm. And I need to brand it and make it my own so that it's my salad. And then suddenly I can charge for it.
1: Yeah, I got a friend living out in um, the Mojave Desert right now. You know what? He, he only eats sprouts. So he eats.
0: But then what happens? Our muscles are made of protein, right? When you go back to hunter-gatherer type environments, we ate everything, no?
1: Listen, hunter-gatherer environments, we're just trying to survive. Yeah. Okay, we're in a different situation today. We have food on demand 24-7. The protein thing is a myth. Unless if you and I change careers and we want to beat Arnold Schwarzenegger at Mr. Olympia and we need 22-inch arms, we are going to pack on the protein, we're going to inject steroids. That's a different animal.
0: Mm. However,
1: if our goal... And it should be for those listening, if our goal is to live longer, if we want to outlive our competition, less animal protein. Hmm. So you just got to decide what your goal is. If you want to be the best wrestler, if you want 22 inch arms, you're going to probably eat more animal protein. Make sure it's really clean. Make sure you're eating salads with those meals. Make sure you're drinking tons of water. But you might have the biggest arms in the cemetery. So you just got to decide. what
0: <laughs> Good for you. Huh? <laughs> I heard you say once that one of the reasons why we're not able to uh, stick to those diets is because, you know, if I tell you, you can eat as much salad as you want, this is your exact quote. I think you were talking to Joe Rogan at the time. If I tell you eat 40 salads a day, you won't eat 40 salads a day. The problem is you go from a salad to a cookie to a, a burger to, you know, the variety is what gets us to eat stupidly if you
1: want. And by the way, it's not just the food marketing, it's the food scientists too. The food scientists have figured out, hey, if you put a little more salt in this, yeah. that gets people to eat a little more. Oh, by the way, if we do this, if we sprinkle some of this ingredient, they're, they're not going to be able to put the. I mean, how many people eat one chip when they go to eat potato chips? You can't eat one chip. Like, they figured out how to get us. So, I like to say exactly what you just said, which is you could eat as much salad as you want. You could literally go to a salad bar and eat 45 pounds of salad. But if you don't have knowledge out there, that doesn't mean potato salad and macaroni salad, (laughs) like you can't put mayonnaise all over your salad. You always wanna go as clean to the original source as possible. How did that salad, how did those things that are in it come out of the ground? And you can eat as much of that as you want. You can pour olive oil, it's fine. You can pour vinegar oil, it's fine, but you're not gonna overeat salad. Your next question is, but Joe, I gotta have some protein. And there's never been, you got to read a book called the China study by my friend, Dr. Colin Campbell at Cornell university. There's never been a, um, a protein deficiency. There's never been a culture with a protein, a major protein problem. So, um, yeah, never been a problem. I mean, even during the horrific, you know, the Holocaust and so forth, where they're just eating, they're barely sustaining themselves with food. Yes. They got thinner, but you don't need 30. I need When you go into a salad store these days where they sell salad, it says, what protein do you want? I'm already getting protein in my salad. I don't understand. I'm not a bodybuilder. You don't need it. Mm. So hopefully you guys, um, there's so many documentaries out. Now, by the way, if you don't believe me and you think I'm like, this is bull science, I just got to tell you, I've got a friend who's only eaten raw fruits and vegetables for 55 years. He's 92 years old. He's sharp as a tack. The guy could go out and run 20 miles right now. He's 92 only on raw fruits and vegetables, nothing cooked, no meat, nothing, 55 years. I got another friend. He's at least three years into Sprouts Only in the Mojave Desert. And then myself, I've done crazy races around the world. And the races, I mean, 12, 14, 20-day events, the races I did where I was on fruits and vegetables, I outperformed anything I did on different kinds of fuel. Man. So it's accurate. If your mind listening to this is resisting it, it's because it's going to be uncomfortable. And when it's uncomfortable, you don't want to accept that.
0: Do you believe if I decide, I'm actually asking for myself, forget who, who's listening to us now. If you, do, do you believe if I tell myself, I will only eat fruits and vegetables for the next year, for example, okay? And I can do it. I actually love it. I love it much more than animal protein. The only reason I sometimes eat animal protein is because of the pie here, about 70 grams of protein a day, especially if you're working out and so on. Do you believe this will make me healthier, more muscular, uh, fitter, simply by just removing everything else and just eating?
1: Oh my God, healthier, yes, fitter, yes. You'll be able to run farther, you're gonna be able to breathe easier, your heart rate's gonna drop, your blood's gonna be thinner, like not even a question, not, no doubt about it. You get, I can get you blood tested today, we can mm. see exactly where you are today, 30 days from now, just on raw fruits and vegetables, your numbers are gonna be off the charts. Hmm. it's not even a question and muscles will not decline muscle you're going to get thinner you're going to get thinner there's no doubt about it but you get thinner when you stop eating ice cream also and desserts and mm. you're going to get thinner but we could supplement if you said look i don't only want to be healthy joe i'm looking to maintain x no problem we could supplement that with vegetable proteins that will make a shake with pea protein or something ah. like so you can maintain but you're going to get more ripped you're going to get more definition you're going to feel better.
0: Yeah, I'll, ha- I'll have to accept that. That's fine. Fine. I live with definition and six pack. I'm okay with that. Not a problem at all. <laughs> I love that actually. I-, I will tell you openly and I, I don't hide anything from my-, my followers. I hate animal protein in all its forms and shapes and I force myself every now and then and I want-, I want to get rid of it. It feels more natural to me that I'm not eating that, right?
1: Now I will say, and I do this, If there's a moment during the month or whatever, and my kids are having a burger and I want to have a burger. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I eat without the bun. I don't know why I want it. I'm assuming my body is saying there's something in it that I want.
0: Tell me about fasting. You said that not eating at all is even
1: better. Oh, it's even better. When you don't eat, if you think about this, when you don't eat, your body has finally a chance to heal itself because it's not digesting all that food. Now, in the old days, for most of our existence on this planet, we weren't eating 24-7, mm-hmm. right? Now, we're eating 20, and we wake up, we're eating. We go to bed, we're eating. We're always eating. Our stomach does not have a chance to take a break, which means our whole body is focused on digesting that food and trying to eliminate it, and all toxins and everything associated with it. If you give your stomach a break and you don't eat, your body gets back to repairing itself. All the studies they've done on mice, all the studies they've done, less food, live longer. Amazing.
0: And that's definitely a spiritual practice. At least it's portrayed as a spiritual practice to give up on food also
1: fixes your mind somehow. No doubt. It, again, you know what it does? It gets you back to that co- below the line. Yeah. Get you back yeah. to that clear place we spoke about below the line. I love
0: that. I love that analogy so much, actually. So when you were talking about below the line, you said something like get yourself into poverty, practice. Poverty. Yeah. Practice poverty. What did you mean by
1: that? So, um, you know, the Stoics, the great Stoics, they would practice poverty. Seneca, who was a philosopher for Nero, he was very, very wealthy. He was like uh, Bill Gates or Steve Jobs of his time. Very, very wealthy. And um, he realized way back then that he needed to go out and live like a bum for one night a week or one night a month and live on the streets. And then that helped him get below the line Mm -hmm. so that he would appreciate, just like the samurai, just like we spoke about, he would appreciate all the wealth He had. Plus, he realized that this stuff could leave you at any moment. What if he was banished? He figured, let me practice this. God forbid I have to go back to it. I don't want to be shocked. Mm. Yeah, I need to be ready for it. You need to be ready.
0: Yeah. Joe, I want to talk about you for a few minutes, if you don't mind. And I know you love to talk about Spartan and the exercise and the fitness and so on. But I have to say I was most inspired by a couple of your stories. One is working for a mob boss, which to me is quite interesting in so many ways. The three lessons he taught you, I don't know if you remember them, so I wrote them down. On time is late. Tell us that story, please. This was so inspiring for me when I heard it.
1: So I grew up in a neighborhood that was all organized crime. If you guys, if you saw the movie Goodfellas, yeah. I grew up ground zero for Goodfellas, literally across the street from the family that movie portrays. And so um, my parents were getting divorced because my mom got into yoga, health, food, meditation, my dad was in a different direction and my neighbor was the head of the banana organized crime family. I was probably 11 or 12 and he said, Hey kid, come over uh, Saturday and, and clean the pool. Hmm. This was going to be like my first job. I couldn't believe I was going over to his house, even though he was my neighbor next door. I show up, he sits me down. He said, I'm going to give you three lessons. You're going to live by not only in this business, but for life. And the first one is on time is late. You're going to be here at 8am. You better get here at least 15 minutes early. Number 2 you got to go above and beyond. If you're going to clean this swimming pool, I want you cleaning the lawn furniture, the windows, even though I'm not paying you for that. You got to go above and beyond in life. And then number 3, most importantly, never have your hand out asking for money. You provide value, you'll get paid when you're supposed to. And you know, very unlikely person to be giving me this life advice. Right? But yeah, um, but I got it from him and it changed my whole life. You know, by the time I graduated college, I had 700 customers following those principles plus with his help because he would recommend to me to other bosses and other family members. And, and I had 700 customers of, of all organized crime
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're the pool cleaner of crime, yeah. bosses
1: around. Uh, yeah. It's very
0: interesting that these are advices of high standards of ethics, right? But then, you know, coming from the boss of organized crime, how does that work?
1: Well, I mean, they had their own rules, I guess. You know, I remember uh, in that life, not that I was in the life, but I was around it. If one of those guys called you to a meeting, you better be there, right? You didn't respect them. If uh, you'd never rat somebody out, you didn't talk behind anybody's back. So there were all these rules that they were meant to follow. Many of them broke the rules when when their self-interest were meant to be preserved. (laughs) They started breaking the rules, but they at least had an assemblance of some organization around principles and rules and it helped their organizations run for as long as they did, I guess. Do you believe there is good in everyone? I mean, Oh, there's definitely good in everybody. And, and, you know, I grew up there. And so I, as a young kid would see just with my friends, we'd see these wonderful cars they had and the rolls of hundred dollar bills and the respect and the suits. And so we wanted to be that, we didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So, so you could see, and don't forget, I was in a better, a more affluent family. When those guys grew up, they were fighting for milk. They had, you know, three or four brothers. They had no money. They had to steal. Like, so you could kind of at least accept how they got there.
0: Those kinds of ethics or practices you took with you everywhere. I mean, I realized that Spartan's business in general took 15 years to become profitable. I mean, who does
1: that? 15 years. And then the good news here, check this out. Mm-hmm. After 15 years I finally figured it out. We finally made a profit. I made it to 2019. I bought out my main competitor. I was on top of the world, jumping up and down and then COVID hit. Exactly. And nearly wiped me out. So, it's um you got to practice poverty, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, at least I'm sure you're ready for it. <laughs> so, yeah. How did that turn out? I mean, my startup actually suffered quite significantly, not from a business point of view, but from a financing point of view for a while. And we're out of it. We're doing really, really well. But, you know, how do you deal with something like this? It's something that I think many people are going through.
1: Well, you mean how do I deal with the 15 years of losses or how do we deal with COVID? Both of them. Who stays 15 years in a business
0: that is losing? Like, seriously, what was going on in your mind at the time?
1: I don't want to lose. I don't want to quit. I've basically gone out to the world and said, I'm doing this. And so I would be a fraud if I don't deliver. Man. I was getting good feedback from people that did participate. And I thought, you know, this is such an awesome thing. It aligned with my true north and my purpose. But, you know, at some point you have no choice. You got to throw in the towel. There's no moves you could make. And then always when it was like the 11th hour and it was over, something miraculously would happen to give us life again. And I don't think it's as miraculous as I just made it sound. I think it's just the ability to stick with it and then it just finds a way. And most people I think end up quitting and so they don't they don't find that way. Somehow you come out of the tunnel. I'm, the stories exist in books and movies. I was just watching that Hell on Wheels last night before I went to bed for 30 minutes and um, they were making the railroad across the country. and there was a hundred reasons to quit. You're being attacked by Indians. You can't get over the mountain. The tunnel collapses on you. The train, like the government stops funding. But if you stick with it, somehow you eventually get the railroad tracks across the country. Hmm. So I'm guessing
0: you're not gonna quit now. I'd like to. (laughs) 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 Yeah. We are not going to let you because I'm going to come and beat your ass in the race. Uh, you know, I'm going to start to stretch and, and do that stuff that you told me. And then maybe one day, do you think I can do that one day, like
1: beat you? Oh, it's not even a question. Not even a question. Are you serious? Yeah, not even a question. I can't even tell you. I've ripped so many people. I One time I was getting a haircut in Texas. You're like this. I landed in Texas. I needed a haircut because I was going to be on film. And I went in and the woman that was giving me a haircut, I just met her three seconds earlier. I said, what are you doing tomorrow? Because we have a Spartan race coming. She said, oh, no, no, I, have, I haven't done anything. I said, you're coming tomorrow. Meet me at 5 a.m. I got 10,000 people there. She showed up cold, completely out of shape. She cried along the way, but she did it and she finished. And so I, I, oh, I, I got thousands of stories like that. So you could do it tomorrow if we had to.
0: But I want to do it better than you. I want to beat you. You're my target now.
1: That would be nearly impossible, but you can try. <laughs> thank you for the encouragement.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can try. I can try. And, you know, maybe now that you said that, maybe I should actually do it. Hmm. We'll see. Joe, I don't know how to thank you. This has been a delightfully eye-opening and wonderful conversation. I wish we could have spent more time talking about you and your family and growing up. I think there are lots of lessons there. So what I'll ask people to do is please find Joe online, listen to his stories, listen to other interviews. I think it's so inspiring in so many ways. The years on Wall Street, find that. Don't stop stalking him until you find that. It's a true inspiration from my exact opposite. There you go. This I'm looking in the exact opposite of me in a mirror getting to the exact same target. I'm really, really grateful for your time, Joe. It's been a wonderful conversation.
1: You're awesome. I had a lot of fun with you, (laughs) slow-mo. Slow-mo. Yes, (laughs) there we
0: are. Yeah, and by the way, guys, I'll be on Joe's uh, podcast. So uh, let's see how that one will go. I'm guessing it will be an interesting one. So don't miss that. Thanks, sir. There you go. I'm stuck now. I'm committed to run one of those Spartan races unless you tell me that I shouldn't. Because maybe my very zen life is also another way to go through life. I don't know, actually. So tell me what you think. Should I run that race? Find me on social media. I am Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram, Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn, am on Twitter, and mo.gaudet.official on Facebook. You can also find all of my work, hundreds and hundreds of video, on youtube.com slash solveforhappy. Remember to help us out and spread the message on this podcast so that others can be inspired too. Rate the podcast five stars on Apple Podcast if you haven't done so. Share it on social media. Tell your friends what you learned. Chat about it with everyone that you know. I'm very grateful for your support and help, but without you, I will never reach a billion happy. Only with your help will we ever get there. I know you have a million and a half things to do every day, But believe it or not, once you focus on it, there's always that little bit of time to slow down. I'm very grateful for the alibi that you give me to talk to so many interesting and wise people. I love you all for listening, and I'll see you next time.